The Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ, according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzlingly white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to him Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. While I have something very specific that I will say about the our preparation for the season of Lent that is coming up this Wednesday. Let me just briefly comment on the gospel itself because it is a most significant gospel. As I mentioned earlier at the beginning, uh, this Sunday is the last in a series of Sundays that followed from the Christmas season, from the Epiphany, where we saw, for example, the three wise men appear and meet him and worship Jesus. That was always a symbol of Jesus being introduced to the wider world. And now, at the end of this particular cycle, we see Jesus encountered by three of his, his disciples. And that encounter is nothing more than a vision. It is a mystical experience. And mystical experiences sometimes are almost terrifying, as we have read throughout the Old Testament. There was a very famous book that was published in 1917 by Rudolf Otto. He was a professor at Marburg University in Eastern Germany. And it was entitled The Idea of the Holy. That book has never been out of print. It is one of the most significant uh, volumes in terms of its influence on several areas of study, certainly theology as one, but also psychology and also anthropology. It has to do with a study of religious experience. Some of you may even be familiar with one of our own American authors, 
right before that time, William James, The Varieties of Religious Experience. He was one of the American transcendentalists. We sometimes either take for granted or are completely ignorant of religious experience. Some people do have mystical experiences and those experiences are real. And that was the sense of what Rudolf Otto was trying to demonstrate. And he historically went way back to early humanity and demonstrated that uh, the experience of religion uh, is one that must, in some fashion, include the experience of the holy. And so, we should be aware of the fact that because in our age, we are an age that has come on the heels of one of the great historical movements in our time, and that is the rise of the scientific revolution centuries ago and the Enlightenment period, which followed. The Enlightenment uh, has made many great uh, gifts really to us over those centuries, including our own country. The framers of the, of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution were really men of the Enlightenment, the age of reason. However, and this was a wonderful uh, event, however, there is a problem with that because it was sort of a backlash from some of the ignorance uh, that we had in the previous centuries. We had inquisitions and other things going on. We had religious intolerance and so forth and so on. Uh, rumors and uh, things of that nature, things that really were resting on the ignorance of humanity. And so the enlightenment was a great movement forward and nobody really can deny that. But one of the unintended consequences of the Enlightenment was that it sort of edged out any other experience than the rational. That it looked at humanity and the, the, the consciousness of humanity as rational alone. That the human mind was strictly rational. Anything else was not really human. And so ecstatic experiences, religious experience, mystical experiences were kind of pushed out of the way and they were seen as aberrations. However, uh, people like Rudolf Otto and others in the 20th century began to, I wouldn't say rebel against that, but began to open our minds to the fact that we all have a great depth that goes beyond our reason. And in that depth, we can experience things beyond the rational. And that is real faith resides. And so the, the apostles today in this gospel had a religious experience. They had an epiphany, truly an epiphany. They realized, you know, only in an instant, 
what their faith was really all about. And that is that Jesus was the anointed one. Because remember, up to that time, it was not clear who Jesus was. Questions always were arising. Who is he? What do people say that he is? And in that moment, their experience of Jesus, just overwhelming. Now, it's very significant that they see the appearance of Moses and Elijah, the two great prophets of antiquity. And so uh, Jesus is in the great tradition of the greatest prophets who stand with him. And he is indeed the one who was to come. The enlightened one. And so uh, he is the Messiah. And that was the religious experience that the, that the apostles had at the transfiguration. A momentary uh, insight into who Jesus was. He is the Lord. He is the Messiah. He is the anointed one. He is the Christ, which is the Greek rendering of Messiah, of the Hebrew Messiah. And so there are times in all of our lives, and I'll end here on this part of my sermon, there are times in our lives when things do come together and we may have a momentary experience of something that transcends everything in us. And we should be open to this. And the development of our spiritual life and the disciplines of our Sundays and our prayers and our liturgies and so on our spiritual practices are meant to encourage this. They are meant to be a catalyst to enable it. And my last comment is that the human consciousness is more than just uh, our conscious awareness. We have an unconscious as well. We have a depth. And in that depth, we can also experience we can have a religious experience. You can have it in a dream. I personally had one of these in 1977. You don't have many in your lifetime, I can assure you. But nonetheless, it is one of those special moments. It is one of those mystical experiences. It is an experience of faith. Let me just share with you very briefly something that I always like to remember when we begin Lent each year. And I probably have used this in the past, but I always find that it's a wonderful preparation. As you know, from here on in, well, during the series of Lent, we follow the, the life of Jesus, and of course we see his his passion, death, and resurrection. It is also a time when our Jewish brothers and sisters remember, uh, remember Passover. And in fact, uh, not only is the Passover for a Christian, the Passover of the Israelites from slavery to freedom, but it is also the Passover of Jesus from death to life.
so the two really go side by side. And after all, we are a Judeo-Christian faith. With the Passover, we recount the struggle for freedom, justice, and the pursuit of a meaningful life. In every age, including our own, some new freedom is won and established, adding to the ongoing development of humanity. Yet, each age inevitably creates new pharaohs and enslavements that require new liberations. The victory over the first pharaoh in Egypt was but a paradigm of all the emancipations that would follow in the centuries to come. As some of you may know, the word Egypt means the narrow place, that symbolic place that squeezes the life out of the human soul and body. We are all, each one of us, still enslaved in some form of Egypt because we are all still struggling to be free from some individual personal way. We're forever moved to work for the time when all the pharaohs of the world and of our personal lives will be vanquished, when right will conquer might, when the highest values of life alone will rule, and all peoples and individuals will enjoy freedom and peace of mind. Passover and Easter remind us that there is redemption and deliverance from oppression in all its varied forms. Degradation will rise to dignity and slavery will advance to freedom. We have seen in our own time, in our own day, versions of the 10 plagues that blighted ancient Egypt in the Passover story. But these are ours. And there are 10 of them. I'll just rattle them off because you'll recognize every one of them. Apathy in the face of evil. Brutality against the hopeless. Cruel exploitation and mockery of the weak. Corruption of innocence. Envy of others' Envy of others' possessions. Bold-faced political lies, greed, and the theft of Earth's resources, belittling of learning and culture and science, instigation of aggression, justice delayed and justice denied. I regret to say that some of our formal religious establishments have sometimes not succeeded in facilitating our liberation. Indeed, some of them have unwittingly become other pharaohs through the prison of dogmatic pronouncements or social political agendas that unwittingly foster religious ignorance, bigotry, and even worse. Now, as we approach the season of Lent, which I always like to liken unto the Israelites 
having been liberated from Egypt, but now they, they don't really walk into the promised land. They have to go through the desert. And that desert is our land. And so we are approaching our desert experience in Lent. I pray during this time that each of us confronts whatever Pharaoh resides in our personal lives. That from which we need release and redemption. And that we personally experience a going forth from Egypt or a personal form of resurrection in our own lives. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.